And you're very welcome along to the latest edition. We stopped counting a long time ago because numbers aren't our forte. It's News Talks SSE or Tristy League of Ireland podcast with me, Richard McCormick. And me, Oisín Langan. Well, well done, Dundalk. Fair play, lads. That's all we have to say. Go on the town. A 2-2 draw over in Iceland against FH Hafnar Fridor. Thank God we don't have to say that much anymore. Uh, we will do a couple of times throughout the course of uh, this week's edition of the podcast because we will be talking about that fantastic progress. Just before we go Hafnar out the door. God, it's the puns I'm going to miss the most. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about that uh, fantastic result for the town uh, with Kevin Doherty a little bit later on. Yes, we are. But I don't think it was that fantastic. Why so? Because they beat a team they were expected to beat. They <laughs> should be beating Icelandic teams. Like, fair play to them. Good performance. But at times they look jittery and nervous. And I was thinking, why do you look jittery and nervous? You should be better than this lot. You're quite clearly a superior footballing team. I was uh, keeping an eye on the game last night as we speak. Um and at the end of it, I compared it to, because at times they look really comfortable, and we'll get into it in more detail with Kevin, but at times they look really comfortable, but again, they were just sloppy in possession, which gave FH chances at uh, scoring, which they twice took, obviously enough. But I, I, afterwards, I uh, kind of likened it to watching a mate go out with a now ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend, in that it's constantly on the verge of a spectacular collapse and by the end of it, they don't come away from it any better of the heart. That's really be true, because I've gone out with loads of your exes and it's always the same. Loads of them, because I've been let down and heartbroken so often in my life. Oh, celebrity you like yourself. For reminding me of that. Oisín. Yeah, we'll be talking about uh, Dundalk's draw in Iceland and what may come from Bate Borisov, should they know themselves after last year. Uh, and also, Cork and St. Pat's still to be in Europa League second leg action and that will be dropped in at some point later on. Yes, it will. As we speak, as we record the first draft of the podcast, they have yet to play. And I'm looking forward to my trip to Cork. But if you're listening to the recut, re-edited, director's cut version on Friday, then we will reflect on a good, stroke bad, stroke indifferent night in Europe for Irish clubs in the Europa League here. There you go. What a pick an adjective. Good, stroke, bad, stroke, indifferent night. It was, yeah. If you are still listening on Thursday, though, keep listening. Lots of great stuff still to come, including reflections upon last night, Wednesday night, in Iceland, for Dundalk and their progress to the third qualifying round of the UEFA European Champions League. Yes, and we're going to hear now from Stephen Kenny and goal scorer David McMillan. He scored a brace of goals. They spoke to Adrian Taff of LMFM. Will Downing and Damien Lynch brought you the game on Air Sport. We were glued to it and even though we didn't see Damien's face, we know he looked handsome. I see you down the town. It's a great victory for the club, you know, and for the work everyone does behind the scenes, it's a great reward for that for them, you know, tonight to win away in Europe like that. The ball, great delivery, what a chance it is, and FH have scored. We didn't get close to them for, for, for the first 15 minutes and they got their goal. We have individual players that probably they don't. Daryl Horgan and Patrick McElhenney who can dribble at you and, and really commit players. And Daryl and Patrick got us in the game then with their individual skill and the talent that they have. For the last 20 minutes, the first half, we were very good. First 20 minutes, the second half, we were very good. They missed a penalty, show character, come back and get two goals. Great support we had here. That, that's, we scored the two goals and the support has end. And it's great, great to have that. Horgan received from Massey. He's got a brilliant pullback. What a chance and a goal! 
It's been a brilliant uh, few weeks. You know, I've spoken to Stephen both at the beginning of the year and during the break about what, what I can improve on as a player. And, um, you know, I suppose recently I've just tried to make sure I'm in the box a little bit more, score more from crosses, which, you know, I've done in recent weeks. And, uh, you know, make sure I'm a threat. You know, obviously people spoke about Richie going last year and Richie was a man that was great. He was always in the box. He was always on the end of things. And, you know, people needed to fill that void. And I think um, both myself and Kieran believed we could we could score, you know, a lot of goals this year. And, we, and we've done that, thankfully. We've, you know, 20 between us I think so um, and hopefully many more to come and what a way to get into the next round and it's their old friends Pato Borisov who eliminated them last year who they'll face the next two Wednesday nights uh, yeah I mean look we've got to believe we can, we can go out and win I think we probably surprised them a little bit last year with, with our own quality I think they probably thought they'd have an easier side than they did and we pushed them very close so Look, you can't can't but believe you've got a chance. Um, if you go out there thinking you're going to lose, you're definitely going to lose. You know that's that's life. Um, but I think, look, we'll go at it. We'll give it everything we have. You know, we approached it last year. This is the way we approach every game, we went and attacked, and we we got a good away result. So look, we'll try and do the same again. It won't be easy. You know, they are they've been in the group stages for a number of years, so they've got the experience. But look, we'll give it a, give it our all. Must have been particularly enjoyable scoring at the end where those Aidan Dock fans were amassed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and obviously at the early on, even when we were doing the warm up, you could hear them. They were cheering, you know, screaming everyone's name. It was brilliant. And you can see the enjoyment in the fans there leaving tonight. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to be able to celebrate at that end. I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to running from the far end out to them. But uh, no, their support was absolutely superb tonight. You could hear them from the get go. You know, they were, they were louder than the home fans. And uh, that gave us a big boost even before the game kicked off. Probably had the best performance. One of my best performances that we ever played last year in Belarus, and uh, it's a stadium the players will enjoy playing in. Opposition that they know well. Obviously, Bate showed their their, uh, their quality beating Roma uh, in the group, taking four points off them. But listen, from our point of view, I think we can get better than we were tonight. And you know, uh, so I think we've got to push on now and, and not stand still and try and devise a way of playing for next week and, and try and and try and get a result. There you have it, Dundalk's the story of it. Their 2-2 draw in Iceland that sees them progress on away goals. 3-3 to the third qualifying round on another large check and they are away to Bate Borisov in the first leg of that third qualifying round tie next week. And here to speak to us about that Dundalk progress and everything else in between is former Shelburne manager Kevin Doherty. Kevin, you're very welcome back to thanks, the podcast. Thanks very much. Cheers for coming in. Firstly, uh, your thoughts last night. Oshin mentioned it at, the, at the top of the pod that this is a side that Dundalk should have been seen to be beating. And they did dispatch them, albeit with a couple of draws. But was it an impressive performance from Dundalk, from your point of view? Yeah, well, the first thing I I had only... I'd seen the highlights, obviously, of the the first leg. And just from the highlights alone, it looked like Dundalk were a far, far superior team. Even based on the chances they would have been kicking themselves, that the tie wasn't nearly mm. over going over to, to Iceland. But for the first 20 minutes of, of last night's match, I, I was really surprised. I thought that... Um, FH were, were much the better side and I was a bit worried to be honest um, it took probably Daryl Horgan's little burst down the left that time and they had a good chance to. For it, it looked like Dundalk had anything really um, I was surprised as we've played Dundalk and how everyone knows how, how good they are and what a good side I just I was surprised how far ahead I thought the other team were Well this, was this something that we alluded to I suppose last week is that Dundalk are Given the fact that I suppose FH are kind of an unknown quantity from their point of view, Dundalk are unwilling to impose their game as they ordinarily would week in and week out and dominate the likes of your Longfords and your your Bows or whatever, that they can't, they feel that they can't go and do these things in Europe when I suppose the second half, the majority of it, proved that they can. If they get in the ball in midfield particularly, they can dominate these sides. Oh, absolutely they can and, and they should have that belief. And, and I think they, did, they do have the belief. Um, they're certainly saying the right things and I... I 
I believe that they're a confident group and they, they, they certainly know that they're as mm. fit as any team they're going to come across full-time or part-time teams. Ability-wise, they're second to none, obviously in this country, but going over there, maybe, I don't know, they thought that it was going to be a little bit easier because they dominated so much last yeah. week, but I, I I was certainly caught in the hop. I, I, I thought um, FH were, were better than Dundalk in the, in the first 20-odd minutes, but as I said, once Dundalk got into their rhythm and the, the big turning point was obviously the, the substitution at halftime, bringing Robbie Benson on. It was a massive, massive difference. Um, Stephen pushed McElhaney on to the right and was able to push uh, Ronan Finn further a bit. Because mm. I felt in the first Is there half, any reason why he wouldn't have done that from the start? Well, it's been working. Like, mm. they've, they've been, they win every game playing that way. And I just felt, for, for whatever reason, last, last As in, night, sorry, that the way he changed it to has been working or the way they started no, the way, has been the working? the way they started has been working. Okay. With Mountley playing on the right and Macmillan up, Macmillan scored. Like, so many goals. He scored seven in the previous three or four before that. And I obviously scored twice last night. So he was happy enough with the, with the formation and the shape and having O'Donnell sitting there in front of the back four and, and pushing Finn on with McElhaney. Having said that, I thought, looking at it, that a lot of the time McElhaney was ending up in the centre-forward position. So they were a little bit like 4-4-2 at, at stages. I know that wasn't the formation they played, but the, he's such a good player, McElhaney, that he needs to be playing in between the lines and he caused a lot of problems to, to teams, ourselves included, when we played them earlier in the season. Um, that the change of formation allowed... Obviously, for Benson to come in and sit beside O'Donnell and control the midfield, he's, he's a really, really good player, Robbie Benson. Um, he'll, he'll take off from here now, I'm sure. Um, and allow Finn to push forward. And even McElhaney going down onto the right, he was able to come inside because that's something that FH were doing there too. You wouldn't even call them wide men were coming in inside a lot. So there was a, a bit of an overload in midfield, I felt, in the, in, in the first half um, in FH's favour. But I definitely think the, the substitution was the big turning point. Going forward, though, is it something that's given the experience that they have from Borisov from last season that they can, I suppose, reset and maybe go with the idea of playing Benson and, and packing the midfield as they did for the second half last night? Is that something that Stephen Kenny is likely to do for the third qualifying round? Or is it a case of he'll go back to where they began and try and trust it and see what's been working for well, them? I think the it works so well that now Borisov are actually are obviously going They're to be a much, above, much, yeah. much, yeah. much better than the team they played last night. But one of the, the, the big things about European football in particular and playing teams that would be regarded to be better is when you have the ball to try and keep mm-hmm. and <clears> I would have Robbie Benson in the side because of this for one reason alone now he brings energy and he brings a lot more as well but when he gets the ball even last night you could see his use of the ball was very, I don't think he gave it away once and he's yeah. still whatever 90 odd minutes there's a chance he's diving in front of someone on the edge of the box and I think he gives you that little bit of energy playing maybe if you're playing with a, with a three in the middle playing two sitters I suppose with Benson and, and O'Donnell Certainly gives you a little bit of protection in front of the, the back four, which mm. they're a very strong back four, but everyone could leave a bit of help with the with the amount of movement and, and good play that yeah. Borisov are going to have. I, I if it was me, I, I would be very tempted to go off what uh, the second half was last night. I guess Stephen Kenny as a manager and well look, you know what? I'm not gonna actually presume to think for Stephen Kenny or any other manager. I'm gonna put it to you as a guy who has managed. Do you look at the negatives and really concentrate on them? in the build-up to the next match, or the positive. And the example I'll give you is, as good as Paddy Barrett and Andy Boyle were at the back, they kind of got caught a little for the half and a fjord goal. Yeah. And given the movement that Borisov are capable of, they'll look at that and say, OK, these guys might have a vulnerability. Am I, am I looking no, too much no, into that? No, you have to. No, and from Borisov's point of view, they'll obviously look for whatever weaknesses yeah. and they'll pick it out. And, and, and Stephen will do the same. He, he will think of how we could have done better. Probably both goals... There was little mistakes. I thought probably Sean Gannon could have stayed with the with the runner a bit better. For the, I don't think Barrett was really at fault. 
Um, he couldn't do much for for that. He just he was flat footed a little bit. Yeah. But I thought Sean Gannon should have probably went with the runner. If he had a stuck with him, they wouldn't have scored. The second goal, maybe the little bit of communication. He um, he ran off Andy Boyle's shoulder. Barrett could have probably yeah. t- told him a bit earlier, or even got over himself. No, they haven't played. Brian Gartland's been playing most of the season as well, and Brian Gartland is a fantastic defender. But I, I even from experience playing against Barrett when he was at Waterford, Galway, even at Dundalk, he played against us. He's still a very capable defender, and and. There will be obvious weaknesses within their side that, that Borisov will pick out though. And there's a lot to like about Paddy Barrett. I mean, he almost scored from a set piece, yeah. got up, won the header. Like Brian Gartland, he's got a fine set of shoulders. I mean, I know it's a strange observation, but I always refer to Brian Gartland as the, the best shoulders in the league. And yeah, Paddy Barrett isn't bad either, he's is he? You know, he's got off, strong no. he's got a strong upper body. And again, uh, not not only that he can play as well. Yeah. He's a good player, a good footballer, Barrett. He can hit a hit a ping as well, 30, 40 yards across pitch, which Again, it's something I thought they might have utilised a little bit more last night because of um, FH's wide men being tucked in. They could have got their full-backs out a bit more, but it's look, look they won the tie, and, and that's the most important thing. Does Gannon occasionally get a bit lost out there? Does he occasionally lose runners, or again, am I just nitpicking because of Well, he did last, last night, night. <laughs> and, and maybe he's not up against the, the quality um, every week. That, yeah. But I, I think he's a really good defender. He's probably the best right-back in the league at the moment, especially going forward. There's no no doubt about that. As I said, I felt he he was culpable last night with the if he had just stayed with the runner, I think he, they wouldn't have scored the the first goal F eight. So again, Borisov will look and they've I'm sure they've a full department on doing video analysis and stuff and they will look for weaknesses but, but there'll be a few strengths as well they have to look at. And when you get challenged like that in a way that you don't normally get challenged, do you automatically improve for the next week? I mean, does Sean Gannon kind of think that when he's out on the pitch next week? Okay, every time, every time a runner goes I've got a track because in the League of Ireland they probably get away with it. Even if they concede they know they're capable of scoring yeah. two or three themselves. But in Europe that's not always the case. Yeah, I think when you make a mistake or whatever you, you're, it's, it's probably the thing that's foremost in your mind that you don't do the same things. Like if you lose somebody from a corner and they score a set piece against you, you don't, the next game you're going out saying I'm not going to concede, I'm not going to concede or whatever. Now it doesn't take away, he's, he's a good enough player that I won't yeah. take away from his game but it's a small little thing and, and as I said be cut out very easy by just coming inside a little bit and staying with a runner that one particular mistake but he's been fantastic for the last few years Sean Gannon so I'm sure he'll he'll, he'll learn from that and it didn't cost him ultimately uh, Another player who's performed rather well uh, of recent times is Dave McMillan a couple of goals from last night he was the one who scored actually over in Belarus against Borisov last year they'll have a lot to fear from this guy given the form he's in at the moment and given how much he's taken on his shoulders willingly and yeah. gladly over the past six months Oh absolutely he's been fantastic <laughs> like the, the score, I think he scored on what nine goals or something the last four or five games a couple of hat-tricks in a row two last night in, in Europe away from home it was fantastic and again the second half the, the, the little bit of change helped him a little bit that, that probably Finn was a little bit closer to him and Benson was getting up there as well and, and it allowed him, him him to drop in and maybe a runner mm. go beyond the likes of Ronan Finn thrives on that sort of stuff like in the first half I felt he was he was a little bit isolated although McElhaney was trying to get to him he wasn't able to drop in yeah. and have a runner go beyond him, which is what happened in the second half. And ultimately as well, when you look at the fact that he managed to score away from home against Borisov last year, looking at the results later on this morning, uh, Borisov themselves came through an aggregate 4-2 against uh, SJK. They're willing to concede. Yeah. You know, it, There's goals to be had from them. It's not as if they're, clearly they're a step above. The Belarusian League has been dominated by them for the past dozen years or so. 
but they are a side that can concede and are there for the taking. There's only a goal between them last year, for instance. That's right, and and Stephen will, will probably think they've they've learned from that experience <coughs> as well, and and that they've improved. Although they lost Richie Tell, I think he he feels that the, the team is a bit stronger this yeah. year. So they're certainly with it. But somebody like Macmillan in, in form, it's similar to the Pats and the Cork on their European runs. They all have centre forwards in, on form with Fagan and Maguire as well. So he has the experience. He's a very intelligent fella, Macmillan. Even listen to him talk, he, he knows the game, and, he, mm. and it's it's these. Games that you're more tested mentally at, and he certainly seems strong enough to be able to cope with it. And the home leg, just to remind people, will actually be in Tala because Oriel Park isn't up to standard for this round of the Champions League. It was fine for the last round, but you're with the big boys now, so they have to go to Tala, which is the home of Shamrock Rovers. Yes, it is. That make a huge difference. I mean, like you know, we've been part of shell sides have been moved before. You know, yeah, we have, and and. I will certainly say when Bate Borisov last year went into the dressing rooms in Oreo Park that it got a shock. So <laughs> I just particularly the away. I don't know. Yeah. What, I've never been in the home dressing room, but the away dressing room is is, is, is tiny and it's poor. It's, it's it's very poor. And going to Tallow will be a lot better. Dressing rooms are great out. In and Tala. it's important they bring a big crowd with them. You know, the chances oh, yeah. are the place will be packed, but you absolutely need that one hundred percent guarantee that there is going to be a few bus loads coming down the M1 to to I'd make sure the place is absolutely. I'd say the jam. interest will be like it's just get it. Hopefully, last night will have captured the normal public's imagination yeah. a little bit that they've got a fair bit of coverage now the last couple of days so hopefully with them going on and winning and putting in such a good performance and it was on the telly and people would have seen it and I think that anyone that watched it couldn't help but want to go and watch them again yeah. because it's very rare it's a long time since it happened um, that Irish teams get this far and if they could just even build as I said build on that if, if, if they were to be able to pull it off mm. this year it would be, would be fantastic but certainly getting Talifold would be, would be a massive help to them because it really does help 100% And fair play to Airsport 1 for showing the game last week. Um, let's talk about Shamrock Rovers and maybe even manager, managerial situations at large. Uh, Pat Fenland departed last week. You've obviously left Shelburne. Some similarities but many differences in, in the circumstances of the two of you, two of you lose, lo, leaving your uh, respective jobs. Um, one thing Pat Fenland spoke about on Off the Ball this week when he was in for the League of Ireland st- spot with, Stew- with Stewie Byrne was about the, the wider job of a manager in some football clubs. And because I suppose he's still negotiating the terms of, of leaving Rovers, he couldn't really say too much about actually leaving, but he could talk about his job at large and some of the things that he had to do that maybe people don't think about and they certainly don't give credit for. And one of those things is trying to restructure the youth side of things and get your academy right and bring players through. And I found it interesting, some of the things he had to say about that. And... Uh, Here's just a, a snapshot of what he had to say. Like I said, when I went into the club, it wasn't just about winning things. Um, right. You know, was, Rowers have a history of winning things and that's the way it should be. But there's also something to build on. Um, there's a lot of work, like I said, being done off the pitch. And uh, But it, it was about building building a club for the future rather than just short term. Yeah. Um, and like I said, um, a lot of people put in a lot of hard work and that and they should be remembered and the other thing it is a lot of these players have, have played for you know we've taken players from Malahoy St. Joseph's Kem- Kevin's boys St. Right. Pat's school boys Belvedere Cherry Orchard Temple Oak they've been developed most of them at them clubs so they should get re- real you know admiration for that we helped them along and brought them on a little bit more I think yeah. um, and you see that now you know I would get great pleasure as I have done previously with looking at the Lucy Wesley Hill and Paddy Madden you know, doing really well at, at the level they're playing at now and hopefully in the years to come when I see some of the boys the likes of you know, Sean Boyd at the weekend scoring a great goal Aaron Dobbs mm. you know, starting the game they've all played in the team while I've the manager they've all got made their, had their debut while mm. I've been the manager so, so I'm proud of that and I think we've left a lot of that behind for 
Stephen's there at the moment. Hopefully, mm-hmm. he can take it forward. And you know, if he doesn't, and someone else comes in, well, then you're looking and thinking, yeah, there's a lot of good young players there at the moment. So Pat Fenlon talking there to off the ball about bringing young players through and working on young players and academies and all that. I'm sure you were quite interested to hear that because similar to Pat Fenlon at Shelburne, you had to bring young players through. Now I know the circumstances were different or dif- you know, yeah. r- different, but it, it is difficult and it is something that fans maybe don't think about when they're demanding success immediately. Oh, absolutely. That's, it's, it's, as you say, it was, it was po- possibly more of a necessity w- with us that we brought uh, younger players through, but we did bring, bring a hell of a lot through. Um, lads, I gave so many lads that, the debuts over the last couple of years that it it's a very very important uh, part of any club particularly in the, the way the clubs are at the moment like you, going back to Dundalk hopefully they, they'll be able to invest the money wisely And but most other clubs can't do that at the moment and it's as I say necessity to bring youth players through having the structure that Shamrock Rovers seem to be, to be doing very well at the moment and and I heard what Pat said and, and possibly you won't see that for the next three or four years similar to Shelbourne Shelbourne have a good youth structure Um we have a lot of players playing in international teams which they didn't have over the years really. It was more the home farms, Cherry Orchards, Stellas, whatever. But Shelbourne have a good youth structure and we'd one lad playing in the team, Conor Keeley, that came right the way through, which is great. And that will, I, again, I gave him a debut so that will give you satisfaction and it's what you want to see. And ultimately it makes the, the league stronger. I've, again, with the 17s and the 19s and now the under-15s National League, it can, only, it can only be a good thing. Having lads that you would like to think that at League of Ireland clubs, the coaching would be would be good at all levels. From under the academy, we've Shelburne have like under fours, five, sixes at, at academy level. And how does it work? We'll say, do you go to St Kevin's Boys or, or Home Farm or Cherry Orchard or one of those clubs and say, we like the look of that player, we'd like to bring him in? And are they okay with that? Do they see that as progress for the player? Do they do they see that as progress for their own club? At what, you know, at what stage do you bring them in? Can they still then play for St Kevin's Boys if they're with your academy, how does it work? No, they couldn't do that. No, yeah. they'd be particularly now with, with with the new structure. It, it, it depends on the club, and it dep- it's a lot of the time it depends on the individual that's run the club, if it's director of football or coach or whatever. Some of them will want to look after themselves and have the players staying there as long as they can. Then, if so they their do, teams can win, and it looks good for well, them. So they can okay. win for starters, and and if the player does develop to go on to play in England, say that that they will get the the rewards of it. Um, but from the player's point of view, and it's usually the parents at that age. It's it's more the parents, and again, parents can be quite difficult to deal with because they think everyone thinks their son is going to play for Man United or Liverpool or whatever. My parents didn't, you know, like that. Well, they, yeah. they knew from the Mine start. Did, we were yeah. nearly nearly got there, but um, well, you got closer yeah, to the yeah, most. But, you know, um, but it's 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 something that I think the 15s league will it, it will cause trouble at, at, on some levels because the like historically the. Say the DDSL under 15s was such a high standard because it was the age that lads were just about to go yeah. away. So there's going to be an issue there. Well, speaking to people who are involved or were previously involved, say in the youth setups with the Republic of Ireland and people who have been involved with clubs, whether they be you know uh, DDSL clubs, NDSL clubs, etc., and then League of Ireland clubs as well. And we're talking about the youth development plan that's going to be obviously implemented, hopefully by Rude Doctor and what he's looking to do with underage setups with Ireland. A lot of it seems to come back to that fractured nature of club football in Ireland whereby there is this strata of teams there's the 12 and the, or 18 the couple of top two divisions and then beyond that you've got players who are developing up as far as say 14, 15 at those clubs and clubs are either reluctant to let them go to League of Ireland clubs or they're waiting to cash in on them yeah. with overseas whether it's Scottish whether it's English clubs or what have you is it 
I'm not going to say is it up to one side or the other to reach out, but ultimately, is it going to take that? Because people talked before about restructuring the league, whereby or maybe if we have like two teams in North Dublin and one yeah. team in South Dublin, yeah. but is it going to take a, a situation whereby the clubs that we do have in the Premier Division and the First Division almost divvy up the clubs in their area, so by they can not reap the benefits, but I'll just work in tandem with developing players within those particular catchment areas. Yeah, well, I think I think the best way to do it is, is as we said about the Shelbourne way and the Shamrock Rovers way and have your own setup and have your own school by section. But like you mentioned, there's the reluctance of parents and the reluctance of clubs yeah. to let players go to them too soon. And with your school by section, is it a matter that they have to prove they're, they're at a certain level to get in or well, like, no, could well, you do what I did with Ballon Road under 12 well, yeah, back at, in the day at, and just at, join up? Well, even up, up yeah. until our under 17s, okay. this year we had trials and, and stuff for players to come in. So it wasn't exclusive or anything like that that you had to be playing at whatever level. If you're Generally, if you're good enough. Now, the managers or the coaches of these teams would go to watch other teams yeah. and Kevin's and again, parents, coaches of of the, the the other clubs might think they're better off staying there, which is mm. which is their own choice. Um, but I do, I do know that that league, a lot of League of Ireland clubs are tr- have have spoken to DDSL clubs about having some sort of partnership or yeah. whatever. And I think if we all want, if we're, if we're all going to buy into what Real Doctor is, is saying and what the FEI plan and stuff that's in the Conroy report that's sitting on someone's desk somewhere, we have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. But we all know that we want lads to come through schoolboy clubs into League of Ireland clubs, mm. progress, do well in the League of Ireland, go, go away, play in, in the Irish international team. And like there it is, it's very, it's, as you said, the fractured nature of it is, is tough because there's so many different factors, so many different associations and stuff that everybody generally tries to look after themselves. Well, from your point of view, as uh, someone who's managed in the league and taking the Fenland cases, for instance, as well. On the other side of that coin, given the fact that clubs are the way they're going to make money if they don't get into Europe is going to be by selling players on, um, is it a case that you're asked to lean on these players too soon in that you're kind of forced to bring through people who may not be ready for first-team football, may not be ready for senior football like earlier than you would have presumed them to be ready for? I think, again, without speaking for Packard, his case would have been probably different than mine. Generally, if they're good enough, like or they're, they're young enough, they're old enough, whatever you want to say, you don't want to be thrown if if it's a high pressure situation, which all League of Ireland games are, whether it's in the first division or the the Premier Division. You you can't throw too many young lads in at the one time, for instance. But if one or two are knocking on your door and you give them a chance, they do well. I certainly had no had no problems in keeping them in the team and playing them. Again, it was a different level to to say what what Rovers would be at. But I heard Pat saying the other day about the young Boyd and and Dobbs, for instance. Like Boyd played against us in the League Cup in the second half. Like he he he, he didn't appear overnight. Like you know. He, they're they're they were good players that they've been given their chance and, and now Stephen Bradley's given them the proper really good go in, in in a massive game for like as I said you you throw you didn't throw them both in the same time you mm. know so one more or less come on for the other and um, I think that you yeah I'm sure some people now are probably Shamrock Rovers thinking we might this is going to be good for us now like one of these is going to go away or whatever and but and that's football and you talk about. The leagues and even at a high Well, that's the same as the third division club in England. Exactly. Think the same exactly. Way, right? And if you go, like, you talk, just say, Bate Borisov, and they're a multi millionaires. And if they have someone playing really well, he goes to Liverpool for 20 million or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's, it's, it's all relative, it's, but it's the same principle. Pat mentioned as well that the only way to really develop schoolboys and to, to keep them in Ireland rather than letting all the, the, the cream go to England is to try and set up a full time structure. Is that possible? 
I think it's very difficult. I, I, I totally agree with him. But probably have to be centrally contracted because I don't think any club could afford to do that. Maybe if someone will say got to the third qualifying round of the Champions yeah. League and earned 1.2 million, they could. But aside from that, but that would be one club, and one that's club, the yeah. thing. And, and and if you wanted to do it, you'd, you'd really want like there would be no point in, in all the best players, young lads in the country, being at Dundalk and and hammering all the other teams every week because they wouldn't get any no good for them either. Yeah. Exactly, they wouldn't get the development. So. I totally agree with Pat that he like in an ideal world you'd want everybody full time as, as he said himself you'd want the club run full time you want staff full time but ultimately players full time and, and particularly young players learning the right way to yeah. do things and, and getting the coaching and getting the benefits of full time and I, I can't I can't see it happening for the foreseeable future anyway And how about yourself? Any further plans to get not back yet, in Not yet no I'm uh, taking a break it's, it's not even it's three weeks three and a half weeks Um I just thought I just wanted to have a little break from yeah. it. Uh, I think there was no I talk about pressure and managers, and again, you under people different. Man, you go back to Pat might have been under different pressure. I wasn't really under the board. Didn't want there me didn't seem to be any huge animosity. No, there wasn't. No. no, not at all. It was just my own choice. I, yeah, because I was surprised when you. Yeah, a lot of people me. were very surprised. Yeah, With yeah. Stephen Elliott in the studio as the so statement was released, yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah. I know he got a bit of a shock. But <laughs> if he had it hard about the performance the night before, he mightn't have got so much. I'm not talking about him personally, by the way. Yeah. But I'm talking about, uh, I was so disappointed with the last couple of performances, only two or three. Yeah. But I just, I, I was just thinking that just wasn't right. Just something wasn't wasn't happening at the time. And I, I just went and I, I spoke to the board and said, look, I, I think that I'll take a little break from now. And again, they didn't, they asked me not mm-hmm. to go and they said, take time and think about whatever. But I just felt it was the right time. I don't know, I've no plan at the moment. I'm just actually enjoying having a bit of a life for a few weeks and then we'll see what happens then. There's no come and get me plea out there yet. Not yet, no, no, <laughs> not yet. Okay, Kevin, really appreciate your time. Thanks for no coming problem. in and joining us on the SSE Electricity League podcast here on News Talk. No problem. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. Thanks again to Kevin for his reflections on Dundalk's progress in the Champions League and also to Oshin, who is going to be slash was in Cork depending on when you're listening to this. I'm back. Well done. How well did done, I get yeah. back so fast? It's not like we recorded this on Thursday before I left and then re-edited it to drop in the Cork City and St. Pat stuff afterwards. You got back here faster than Will Downing and Damien Lynch got back from Reykjavik, so you did, which was a miracle in and of itself. Uh, I have to say though, I actually wasn't watching the game on TV the other night. Um, because the TV was otherwise occupied with what? milling through the Gilmore Girls on Netflix because the Gilmore Girls is class don't roll the eyes at me you're missing out if you haven't seen the fabulous work of Amy Sherman Palladino Um, but yeah the Gilmore Girls is on TV Mm -hmm. uh, season one the latter end does Eamon Gilmore make a cameo? (laughs) no he doesn't although I would like to see that Uh, but I was watching it on a random girls it's my way or what was his famous saying again? Oh yeah, Frankfurt's way or Labour's way. There you go. That's what he actually said. Okay. Uh, so I was watching it on the phone on a completely above ground and one hundred percent legal stream. Absolutely. One hundred percent it was. But uh, in the rambling of watching the Gilmore Girls in the corner, it was one of those things where you kind of look at a guy and you're like, I know him. What's he from? And it was a guy, a character called Rune, who was a cousin of Jackson. Sorry, who's gone just, out with just, Suki. Just to clarify, you're still talking about the Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, Girls and not, not the Dundalk. Okay, grand. Yeah. Uh, Suki who's now Melissa McCarthy who's now a Ghostbuster but anyway back to Rune which is a really entertaining movie actually I have, still have to go and see it it's very, I enjoyed it looking at Rune on IMDb to go where was he from then moved on to uh, see that he was in a movie from 1988 called Vibes which stars Jeff Goldblum 
and Cindy Lauper and Peter Falk and a llama. You know what? You Facebooked and tweeted about it's this amazing. last night, and I was so delighted you did because it brought back a childhood memory. Sylvia has a sixth sense. My psychic guy, Louise, says your girlfriend's playing bouncy bouncy with another guy. Jeff Goldblum as Nick has a psychic touch. Oh God, it's true. Nick, it's not what you think. Another man has been holding these panties. You know, I can tell. And when you put them together, you can feel the vibes. Of vibes. Yeah, it was like um, a good dream sequence from the movie (laughs) when you think back to your dream sequence. You see, I lived in rural Ireland, unlike you, Richie. We only had two channels. And while we had a car and, you know, my dad was a teacher, so this is not a story of poverty. And we also actually had a membership of um, Megavision. Dungarvan's version of Extra Vision. And it, there still is, by the way, a Mega Vision in Dungarvan. Well done. And, and it there. has taken on and beaten Extra Vision, which has left with its tail between well, its legs. Do you know why but, that is? Because they're still dealing in VHS when others have ditched the format. Exactly. Mega Vision's all the way forward, and that way forward is still maintaining tapes. Exactly. Fair play to you, Mick Irwin. Anyway, there was a guy who used to go around to houses with a van full of videos <laughs> we've been warned about things like that <laughs> no they were all on the level and he used to rent you the video there, there was another guy who did it who used to have photocopies of the of the um, covers. covers yeah but, there's, uh, do you know there's actually an episode of that Peter K thing where it's, <laughs> it's called the ice cream man cometh where he goes around and to make a few extra quid because his ice cream business is faltering yeah. he starts selling movies and to the dads a few blueies Ah, okay. Well, there was none of that with our video man. That you knew of. I'll tell you how long ago this was. He had At least six weeks ago. No, he had a mullet. All right, so three weeks He was heavily influenced by Pat Sharp or Colin McLaughlin in Neighbours. That's, well, I suppose, you know, if you were able to watch Neighbours, you were probably middle class because that meant you had BBC. That's what that meant around our place. Or you lived on higher ground because we lived on low ground. (laughs) So that was literally the difference between, between working class and middle class in my childish eyes you know the people who had the channels obviously the they channels. were just a better class of people and um, so my buddy Seamus who lived up the hill slightly right. we used to go up to him on a Sunday afternoon because uh, had a little he house had in prairie. no he had a house on a farm quite, right. a, quite a large farm as well and uh, we used watch to watch little house in the prairie no yeah we used to get it off the video man um, and we used to uh, we used to watch the first division live games on BBC or ITV whichever ITV it would have been the time with their amazing theme tune yeah Brilliant. And one day I think they showed the return of the Jedi after the game. That's the first time I saw a Star Wars movie on a black and white TV. That's blockbuster TV. Uh, And that's enough of our waffling for uh, one week. Just to bring you up to date with the fixtures coming up, I suppose slashed in half as they are with the European action still to come next week as well. Uh, On Friday night in the Premier Division, Galway United taking on Wexford Udes. Uh, Then at Dalyman Park, Bowes looking to make up for that awful defeat. Uh, to Shamrock Rovers last week when uh, goalkeeping Dean Delaney especially didn't really do them any favours Derry City visiting where a win uh, for Derry would move them up with a couple of games played extra to within three points of second place Cork City uh, and then on Saturday night it's Longford Town playing host to Sligo Rovers Sligo uh, can make a decent leap in the table they can go up as far as fifth depending on the result of Galway of course In the first division on Friday night Waterford United who were beaten to the first division title back in the season that Sam Allardyce was in charge of Limerick take on Cabantili and Stradbrook Uh, Shelburne hosting Drogheda United and at Lone up against uh, Limerick talk about contrasting fortunes Limerick I think can secure their Premier Division status 
if they win their next five games I think they have 11 left something like that yeah it's within the next few weeks anyway Limerick yeah. will be promoted <laughs> and you know who's like we have to pay tribute to Mr Allardyce yes who has come, he's, he's, I actually looked it up to check that you know caretakers like Joe Mercer or, uh, Taylor etc etc didn't actually hone their craft in the League of Ireland first no. they didn't Allardyce is the first League of Ireland product to manage England and congratulations to you, Big Sam, and Father Joe Young, who has, um, who's been trotted out on the Guardian's podcast, on the Guardian's sports pages, Five on BBC Live. Five Live. Yeah. yeah, and it's a great service story. Seems like a you know a really decent football man. Uh, Cove Ramblers, by the way, also in action this uh, weekend. The First Division they host UCD at St Coleman's Park in Cove, in Cork. Obviously, uh, by the way, that uh, that uh, Bohemians Dairy game is live on Air Sport. Yes, indeed, it is. Hopefully, if Will and Damien make it back from Reykjavik. Well, one can only hope that there isn't watch another. Watch us Reykjavik. Uh, watch us Reykjavik. Watch us Reykjavik. Will, psych. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. We're sorry. Should have stayed in core. On low ground. <laughs>